look at everything that's happened up to that point. Look at all the rhinos and traitors that have been revealed. I think that that was important. You've realized that, you know, until uh, one of the votes, you know, everybody still thought uh, Romney was a conservative. Slowly by slowly, I think the deep state is losing ammunition where they're having to call out their second team, which are the people that are embedded in our government, in, in uh, intelligent agencies and everywhere else in business. And, uh, you know, hey, we're in the time of re revelation. All of this is being revealed. Hey guys, Sean from SGT Report here. Thanks so much for tuning in. That was my friend and author, David Perkins. And in this one, we're gonna talk about Jews, yay, Hitler, and the Rothschilds, the latter two of which might be about the same. Thanks so much for tuning in, friends. Before we start, just a quick word about our sponsor. You know, it's almost 2023, and if there's anything 2022 taught us, it's that inflation is here. Things are far more expensive now than they were at the beginning of the year. And we all love holidays, but they're not that great if you can't afford them, are they? But it's not too late to protect yourself. And despite the fact that there's always a risk of loss and past performance is not indicative of future results, thousands of people have retired comfortably with the help of noble gold investments and their precious metal IRAs. If you're one of the people, like me, who believe gold and silver is an excellent hedge against inflation and total collapse, now's the time to act. Talk to an expert member of Noble Gold's team today. And if you get in before the end of this month, you'll get an incredible free 3-ounce Silver American Virtue coin with every qualified IRA of $20,000 or more. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments. So call the team now at 877-646-5347 to find out more or visit noblegoldinvestments.com. The link is below. Hey friends, welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's Sean from sgtreport.tv and sgtreport.com and thephaser.com where you can stun them with truth. Guys, you know this is the antidote to corporate propaganda. So today we're going to tackle a very, very controversial subject in this one with my friend, author David Perkins. The book he wrote is Hitler's Astrologer. Now, I had David on two years ago and we talked about that book, but since Kanye, since Ye has made Hitler a topic of discussion once again, we're going to go there and we're going to talk about what David observed while living in Poland during the 1990s and how the same destruction of culture is being waged here against us in this country. We all know it, but we're waking up in droves. The problem is, friends, they continue to steal elections. They rig them, they steal them. So how do we take our culture back from these vampires? And by the way, was Hitler a Rothschild? We're going to play a soundbite about that in a second, too. Let me welcome my guest, author David Perkins. How are you, David? Hey, I'm doing great, Sean, and an honor to be on your show. It's always a, a great honor to be with one of the original truth tellers out there. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, I note that our last interview was October 24th, 2020. So that was just a mere nine or 10 days after my channel was terminated without cause or warning by YouTube. But we're still in the fight for truth and we're still in the fight for real news. And we're gonna talk about yay. We're gonna talk about Nazis. We're gonna talk about Hitler with the author of Hitler's Astrologer in a second. But I wanna do a news roundup because I tell you what, they're stealing our elections. Meanwhile, in Brazil, military kills Red Command cartel leaders as the military prepares to take over because the people of Brazil refuse to leave the streets because they don't want Luna, a convicted criminal, far leftist Marxist, implanted as their president. So where we the people suffer Joe Biden, 
the people of Brazil aren't going to stand for it. And evidently, the military is about ready to take action. More current news in a second. But uh, your take, David, on what we're seeing in Brazil as Bolsonaro evidently will remain president as long as the military takes action. We'll see how that shakes out. Well, I, I think that um, one thing it might parallel to go here, you know, I think what they did to squash any type of uh, Americans going out was what the uh, shenanigans they pulled on uh, January 6th, which, by the way, I was in D.C. in uh, January 6th. Um, and I, I'll tell you, it was it was certainly a staged event, especially when you see all the videos afterwards of uh, Capitol Police escorting Antifa couple of buses and Antifa people there. And, you know, uh, what I saw, I mean, having a little bit of experience in the film industry, you know, it was staged for, for the media, for the press. You could see uh, when people were uh, talking and uh, walking, uh, walking around on their little microphones while Trump was having a speech, that was all being organized around the, uh, around the Capitol building. But I, I think that that kind of squashes it. But I, I, to tell you something that's even worse on that is, um, you know, if there's an event that occurs in D.C., then the FBI office there in D.C. will handle it and they'll take care of everybody that they arrested or something there. But what they're doing is anybody uh, that they like, you know, have tabs on, uh, like, say, for example, they live in Florida or Louisiana or Texas or Wyoming. To do that, so it makes it looks like a nationwide event rather than it just being an event in Washington, D.C. Yeah, you dropped out a bit there. Uh, as far as January 6th goes, we know that the FBI infiltrated. We know that there were turncoats being paid by the FBI to dress up like Trump supporters. And the whole thing was a false flag operation. The whole thing was a false flag operation, David. And we yeah. still have American patriots, moms and pops, young men and women, older men and women who are patriots who showed up there that day, found themselves in the Capitol, and they are still rotting in Washington, D.C. gulags. They're rotting in jail awaiting trials, and it's been two years. So the person you see, by the way, on screen right now is an absolute traitor. Her name is Katie Hobbs. She helped rig the election she stole in Arizona, and she's backed by George Soros. So she's quite literally, in my view, a treacherous traitor. And she does not care that y'all know it. She does not care that she didn't win the election to become governor in Arizona. She stole it along with the Democrats. So this is what we're up against as long as these people are in charge of our nation, David. And we, the people, want to take it back just like the people of Brazil. So we show up in droves, record-breaking numbers, to vote for mega candidates, and they steal it. So just like people are rotting in D.C. jails for two years because these Democrats are in charge, we get more of the same with traitors like this that you see on the screen, Katie Hobbs. On Monday, Maricopa County and the Democrats in Arizona certified the rigged 2022 election, and they are now implanting this demon rat, this traitor, as the governor of Arizona. So you mentioned in an email to me about what you saw in Poland back in the 90s and how the culture was being destroyed from within by design, probably by these same New World Order puppets. And we'll talk about Rothschild. We'll talk about Rothschild's ties to Hitler in a second. But uh, tell us about culture, the culture wars in this country, that we are winning, actually, when you think about the red wave in Florida. But where we're losing is the mainstream media is on the same team as these demon rats. 
and they're just rigging and stealing everything. Meanwhile, the borders are wide open and we the people get no justice. Our votes mean nothing because these people count the ballots, David. Well, I, I think probably what's happening in Brazil may eventually come up here as far as uh, the like the military. You know, it's it's been said the military is the only way in order to stop a lot of this stuff. Now, this uh, court case that's coming up with the Supreme Court, I, I think, and ironically, that is going to be heard on January 6th with the uh, Brunson uh, uh, event. So I think there's hope. You know, the, the whole process is to try to do it as much as you can legally. But if you exhaust every uh, viable effort that way, then, yeah, the, the military is the uh, only way. I'm sure that there is uh, plenty of people in the military that, that take their uh, oath to uh, defend the Constitution seriously. And meanwhile, the puppet in chief who loves to sniff kids, well, he's got us on the verge of a nuclear exchange with Russia over Ukraine. Now, you tell me, David, why in the world do we care so much about Ukraine? I don't mean you and me specifically, but why in the world has Ukraine become such a focus of this criminal government? I mean, first it was Iraq, then it was Afghanistan, then we had to go in and topple Gaddafi in Libya because he wanted to introduce a gold-backed dinar. And now Ukraine? Can you explain that to me? Is it just a money laundering operation like FTX? Uh, well, yes, that's part of it. But also, you know, you can trace this back to the Dulles brothers. They uh, they both came into power uh, during the 50s. And, um, you know, they, uh, well, first, they're about as Nazi as you can get without being a Nazi party member. Uh, you know, and the, the centerpiece of Dulles Airport really should have a big swastika on it. They they actually secretly tried to negotiate a separate peace with the Nazis during World War II so the Wehrmacht could knock off the, uh, the Soviet Union. And they are the, uh, the whole instigators of what we would call a, a, a perpetual war. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, uh, John Foster Dulles, who was Secretary of State, and then Alan West Dulles, who's his brother, was Director of CIA. Now that just looks like, oh, there's two brothers and two parts of government, that position had them control all of the official and unofficial going on for all the policy, foreign policy decisions for the United States. And you could say that they were uh, played a big part of the rise of Americans, uh, of America's secret government. Um, you know, that they're, and, and really their infiltration as far as Rothschild and and Rockefeller money really goes back to the 1890s because their grandfather was a uh, secretary of state during the 1890s. And uh, he was one of the first people to uh, develop a new type of legal practice, which uh, had to do with lobbying for large corporations seeking favors in the United States and their chances to expand abroad. So even grandpa was tied in with Rothschild money and Rockefeller money. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's funny. Kanye West had a swastika, but nobody cares when a Klaus Schwab puts one up. Since you mentioned the Dulles brothers, we should also talk about the Bush family, which was rubbing elbows, Prescott Bush and the Bush family, rubbing elbows with Nazis during World War II. And by the way, when Ye says, I love Hitler, he's really just giving a nod to people like Klaus Schwab, who literally is a Nazi. And then we can talk about the Rothschilds, was Hitler a Rothschild? I'll play somebody about that in a minute. But uh, here we have the World Economic Forums, Klaus Schwab, really quite literally a Nazi, 
you'd think he would love what Ye said. We can talk about that. But first, let's talk about the Dulles brothers and uh, Prescott Bush and the Bush family supporting Hitler and essentially working with Hitler during World War II, David. Uh, yeah, basically, uh, it went even before uh, World War II. They they were, um, you know, the, the Prescott Bush, who's the you know patriarch of the family, he uh, was working with the Har- Harriman brothers. And they actually basically, if I could briefly summarize it, they sent a lot of dollars to Germany in order to help prop up, you know, uh, uh, Hitler and, and all his goings on. But then slowly as the war came on, they basically uh, took gold out of Germany. So they gave them a bunch of paper money and got a bunch of gold. So even before the Bushes made all their money in oil, it was really with uh, Axis gold, gold money that they pulled out through a bank in Holland. And, um, you know, actually... They, their Harrington, that bank firm was caught with the uh, uh, dealing with the enemy, uh, you know, trading with the enemy act. Because even after Pearl Harbor, well, we, of course, it was legal to do it before Pearl Harbor because we were neutral. After Pearl Harbor, they continued to do that and actually got caught. Of course, nothing happened to them. And of course, Prescott Bush was part of the, uh, the, the businessman's plot of, uh, in order to try to take out uh, FDR. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're deep state players, you know, from, from way back, from way back. Yeah, Prescott Bush was involved in an attempted coup of the United States government with his bankster buddies, and nobody went to jail. There were hearings about it. It was public, and General Smedley Butler spent the rest of his life blowing the whistle on it. But, uh, of course, nobody goes to jail. These people, yeah. these connected elite families, nobody ever goes to jail. In fact, the worse you behave, the more power you're given. Oh, and by the way, speaking of Ye, since I brought that up, I'm going to play a clip here. Ye basically says in the clip that he's never murdered anybody. He's never killed anybody, which is why he can speak out. Because any of these other people, if they speak out like Ye is, any of these other celebrities, well, the cartel, the people in power, the elite, They've got the goods on these celebrities. There's all sorts of different forms of blackmail out there, David. They can't control me. You get what I'm saying? They can control Shaq. They can control Charles Barkley. They can control LeBron James. They can control Jay-Z and Beyonce. But not you, man. But they can't control me. You see, it ain't no name I won't name. It's up. Not you. You know what I'm saying? And just for Minister Farrakhan, I love you. But the way you read that, I took that as a slight... You know what I'm saying? I don't, I'm taking no disrespect from nobody. So let's get on the phone and let's talk that out. I don't care who you are. I ain't taking no slice from nobody, right? I ain't taking no slice from nobody. It's God. That's the only person that I serve. My mama ain't here. My mama was sacrificed. Me too. You understand? Yeah, we appreciate Michael you. Jordan, what about him? His daddy, right? Bill Cosby, his son, right? Dr. Dre, his son, you're out in Hollywood, a lot of people come up missing. Feels like it might be a lot of that in order to control, traumatize. They want to monetize and traumatize. And God loved me. You understand? They, they hit me. Gap, Adidas, all that away. Still, Forbes, who hate me, right, had to write net worth 400 million. Jesus is king. God loved me. That's more important than thinking of life. That's the thing. 
know what I'm saying? It's, and this truth is gonna be heard. Y'all can't send none of y'all meek meals, y'all puppies, y'all little boozies, none of these names, none of these people that have to listen to y'all because they're dealing with, they have legal, I never killed nobody, right? I'm the pussy that never killed nobody, right? But that means I can say whatever I want and not go to jail. I think that's a really extremely important clip, David, because basically, Ye is implying there that some of these people he's named have been involved in murder. So you know at the highest levels of this system, David, and we've heard it from people like, uh, what was that uh, Swiss banker's name? Ronald Bernard, I believe? Yes, where uh, in order for him to get up there, they wanted him to sacrifice a baby. And he's just, you can tell it's sincere because he's in tears just talking about it. It That's was right. so upsetting to him. That's right. But you so, know, he, he brought up something very interesting, I, I think, is... Uh, traumatize and monetize i wrote that down yeah that that is uh that that pretty much sums it up and you know he's naming all those names that people will look at boy you could look at that in the media with anderson cooper his brother somehow i what fell out of a window or something and you know they all uh, all of them they, they all have something connected along that line so i think that's a uh, very interesting the way that he put it yeah, and I do too. So when he was on the Alex Jones show, I watched the entire thing afterwards, okay? Once it became sort of international news that Ye said, I love Hitler, I love Nazis. That whole thing came off to me as performance art. So he's doing performance art, and within this performance art is a heck of a lot of truth. Because as you know and I know, and the audience knows, history is written by the people who control the world. So it's really his story is what history is. So... Mm -hmm. Let's go back to our conversation two years ago, and let's just play this clip. Was Hitler a Rothschild? Because if that's the case, if that's the real, his story, the real history, well, then Ye was basically just paying homage to the people who control the world, like the Rothschilds, like the Rockefellers, and like Klaus Schwab. Uh, there's this article from David Icke. Was Hitler a Rothschild? He says, take the Rothschilds, the bloodline formerly known among other names as the Bowers, one of the most notorious black occult bloodlines of Middle Ages Germany. It became known as Rothschild, Red Shield, or Rotz Shield in Germany in the yeah. 18th century when a financial dynasty was founded in Frankfurt by Mayor Amschild Rothschild, working in league with the Illuminati, House of Hesse, and others. Your thoughts on that? Was Hitler a Rothschild or related to the Rothschilds? Well, we don't have to listen to you answer there. I've got you right here, David. Was Hitler a Rothschild? Um, well, that's that's kind of the rumor is that he was uh, um, like a, a a bastard son of one of the Rothschild family, because uh, you know their their family is speaking of traumatized and monet, you know, monetized. You know, there's there's some connections and stuff in that, but that is the mo of the uh, uh, the ruling families. That if you want to look at it by what. Fritz Springmeier wrote, is that uh, even though that they had their own bloodlines, they still will uh, father uh, children, and those children are used as part of their plan. So it would make perfect sense that if he was connected along the bloodline, it would be. But I mean, there's a lot of connections, you know, that are drawn to that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just like, look, look at all the stories that you get about Antarctica and, and all that other kind of stuff is as uh, far as, you know, Nazis dealing there, there are all kinds of stories in all kinds of ways. And I mean, I just go by what I can research on that is that, well, there were two sub sub German submarines that ended up in uh, uh, Argentina and they, they were, they were apparently in Antarctica and they had a full load going there. So 
I mean, you know, you have to put all those pieces together. And unfortunately, you know, there's no paperwork or tape work on that because names are always being changed, which they've been doing since the, the Canaanite. You know, when we talk about Ukraine going back to then, um, I mean, just from what it looks like historically, uh, if you go back to the Bible, um, you know, J.U. and Kings rounded up all of the uh, worshipers of Baal, that is all the people that sacrificed children, got them in a room and then just killed them all. Well, gee, that sounds kind of familiar. What happened in Saudi Arabia when Trump went there, they got them all in a building and just arrested them all. But they didn't get didn't get all the Canaanites because the, the the basically theory is that they went up into uh, what is now uh, Kazakhstan and uh, Ukraine, and these are they are the Khazar. So that's kind of a Khazar mafia, and they were, you know, ruthless people. They were, um, you know, not only uh, killing people, but they would kidnap people that were going along the Spice Road, and they would infiltrate. That they would they would you know kidnap somebody that was uh, coming from Russia over to the east, and they would uh, you know get all the information and then send him over there. So they were like the middlemen for all kind of stuff. And I guess you could say that that's where a lot of the uh, evilness is in money, money laundering and power play and infiltration really, really got started. And uh, it was interesting when I was in Poland, there was a, uh, uh, a Catholic priest that told me that um, one of the things that they did, and this is where we get into the Jews who are not Jews, but uh, the Russians got tired of dealing with them and went in there in like 10 cents. And uh, but but they didn't want to kill them all because, you know, they said, well, we just can't slaughter, you know, uh, exterminate them. So they said, you guys need to take up a uh, uh, Abrahamic religion. And so they said, we'll send you, uh, you know, uh, uh, a priest and, and scholars of each religion. So they had a, 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 a Muslim guy, a Christian guy, which was, of course, Greek Orthodox and a Jewish guy. And, the, and uh, you know, they all three of them were there, and the, the leader asked him these, this question. Of course, he heard about what their religions were about and everything. But he asked him a question. He asked the Muslim guy, all right, if you had to be either a Christian or a Jew, what would you be? And the Muslim guy go, well, Judaism is closer to me than Christians, so I'd be Jew, a Jewish guy. And they asked the Christian guy, well, if you were, wanted to be a Muslim or a Jew, what would you be? And he goes, well... Judaism is closer to Christianity and Muslim, and I guess I'll, I'll be a, um, a Jewish person. So then he finally asked the Jewish guy, well, what would you uh, want to be, either a Muslim or a Christian? He said, I'd rather die than be, <laughs> than be either one of those. So they adapted, I mean, he liked his funk, but they adapted Judaism, but they did not practice it. They still went on worshiping Baal. So all those people that are in that area and stuff like that, they, they you know, disguise themselves like he's just like a Zelensky. Hey, he says he's Jewish, but look what he's doing. He's running around with Nazis. See, this is so important to have a conversation like this one with somebody with your knowledge, because we know the history is all BS. And I often say that the Rothschilds, they hijacked the Jewish story and they hide behind it. So you can't criticize these international bankers for anything they do, because you'll just be labeled an anti-Semite. So that's right. exactly what's going on with Ye right. is he's called these people out. And what happens when he says, hey, there's one religion, there's one power center, there's one group of people you cannot criticize. And then he names them. He says the word Jews. 
By the way, not all Jews are bad, but there's a lot of Jewish power in Hollywood and in the music industry and in our government and in corporations. And when Kanye calls that out, what do they do? They destroy him, mm-hmm. <laughs> thereby proving that what he said is accurate. So I, I think maybe it's all part of the uh, Great Awakening. The apocalypse is the great unveiling, right? Yeah. So now we can yeah. see these people for who they are, Klaus Schwab. Right. By the way, uh, Klaus Schwab on his mother's side is a Rothschild, David. Well, yeah, big surprise. <laughs> big surprise. But no, that's the way they work. I mean, it's ridiculous if you look at it. It's not only we're waking up to them, but we're waking up to their tactics. It's like racism. You know, when they're saying, hey, racism, 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 or this, that, and the other. It's just like, oh, well, wait a minute. You know, you're the you're the party that voted to, uh, you know, have Jim Crow laws and all this. Stuff. You know, I mean, it's just like it's starting to be ridiculous. It's just like, uh, you know, if, if somebody from... Uh, you know, o- Oklahoma committed a crime, then everybody goes, oh, well, look, everybody in Oklahoma is like that. I mean, it, it goes to generalization and stereotyping, which is what a lot of, uh, um, you know, people, well, really everybody, I mean, we're conditioned to stereotype. We almost have to, because like colors, you know, there's 80 million shades of green, but we have to, we have to stereotype them <laughs> into just like eight or eight or something shades that we can perceive. So, it's a natural process, but unfortunately, it's been weaponized, which uh, really is what uh, I guess we can get into, uh, you know, media uh, be, is being weaponized, which really starts with uh, a radio, which is what I did a lot of my research on, um, on, uh, you know, being into synthesizers and uh, electronic music. So um, I'll, I'll be happy to go into that area, if you like, as far as the Rockefellers we- weaponizing radio. You know, I've talked to Len Horowitz a lot about music in uh, Rockefeller music and the weaponization of music. But before we do that, if we even go there at all, I want to stick with this idea that now we know who these people are. All right. So you might have people uh, you might have politicians in our country, people like the Clintons, who with a straight face try to say that they're Christians. The same with the Bushes. But uh, in the case of Hillary, in one of the leaked Hillary emails, she jokes about sacrificing a chicken in the backyard to Moloch. So. Let's remember who these people really are. And you already said it in this interview. They're Canaanites. They worship Moloch. Right. Balenciaga. Balenciaga. Bal. Balenciaga is evil. And they worship, and by the way, Planned Parenthood, sacrificing babies every single day to their god, Moloch. And the people on the left, the Demorats, they worship. They literally, quite literally, worship at the altar of abortion. It's the most important thing in the world to them. Yeah, one more thing on Hillary Clinton as far as a, uh, a little thing. You know where the, she and Bill took their honeymoon? Where? To Haiti. I mean, uh, and that's, I mean, <laughs> it's like, okay, that's your little uh, area that you can control that was given to them. That was their playground in order to rob and steal and collect collect kids. Oh, it's so, so deeply disturbing. All right, well. You explain to the audience then, because you wrote to me in an email that you can describe the communist formula that was used in television while you were living in Poland during the 1990s. And that same communist formula is now being used in the United States against we the people. Do you want to flesh that out? Because uh, I think I know exactly where you're going to go, but let's just explore that. Well, you know, uh, I lived in uh, Germany during the 80s and, uh, you know, I came back to the States for a couple of years and lived in Baltimore. But then I went back to Europe during the 90s and lived in Poland. 
And where I lived in Poland was a town called Szczecin, which is uh, used to be a German town called Stettin, but it's right on the border between Poland and East Germany. And of course, I ran across a lot of people that uh, lived in East Germany. And, uh, you know, hey, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Texas. And I go, oh, Dallas, Dallas, we, we used to watch that all the time. And I go, well, wait a minute. When I was living in Germany, you know, Western Germany, uh, I knew that Dallas was illegal to watch in Eastern Germany. As you could go to jail if they caught you watching the TV show Dallas. And I was flabbergasted. I said, well, my God, why, why did they ban you from watching Dallas? It's just a, you know, it's just a soap opera and stuff. And they go, well, you don't understand. It was the only entertainment we had. I go, well, you know, I, when I lived in West Germany, I could watch East German TV. You could get it. And you had cop shows, you had doctor shows and, you know, detective things and everything, just pretty much what you had. And they go, yeah, but you don't understand. Every show had the message. <laughs> and I go, oh, well, what? And, you know, the message is being communism is great. In other words, it's like the wokeness that's being thrown into a lot of our films. They had that, but they had 40 years of that. And they became so tired of it, they wouldn't even watch. They would only watch the first, like if there was a detective show, they, they would only watch the first three minutes of it just to see what the plot was. Oh, somebody's smuggling in something from Sweden. Okay, they don't need to watch any further because you know how it's going to end. The, the good, great communist guy who's dedicated to the communist party, who's totally lit button the other, he's going to win in the end. You know, it's just like there's there's no storyline. And I really thought about it and going like, well, wait a minute. I wonder why they popped Dallas out. And it dawned on me that, well, you know, if you got a population that's standing for, you know, in, in line for two hours just to get a couple of cucumbers and tomatoes, you know, if they see the Ewing family on Dallas have a thing, they're going to start asking questions. They're just like uh, Chinese people uh, now, when they're watching the World Cup and they see these stadiums filled of people that are not masked, they're going, hey, wait a minute, how come we have to? How come, how come we have to be wearing it? So in, in a way, I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, it, it's putting the narrative. And I, I see it so often in a lot of films. I think that a couple of years ago, I went to, South by Southwest. And it was just like, you know, everything was pushing a narrative. And I'm just going like, oh my God, what's going on here is what I saw in Poland back in the nineties. It was, it was really incredible. Well, there's a reason they call it television. So they're telling us visions of what they want the world to be and what they want us to believe. And so the entertainment industry, as Ye rightly points out, is weaponized. Guys, just a quick break here with a word from our sponsor. Well, 2022 has shown us what might be coming in the future, and it's more inflation and possibly a very, very bad recession. It's time to take action, and despite the fact that any investment can lose money and past performance is no indication of future results, a precious metals IRA using tax-advantaged gold and silver to keep inflation at bay might just be what you need to give yourself protection from financial nightmares. And you'll get a stunning free three ounce silver American virtue coin when you open up a qualifying IRA account this month. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments. So call 877-646-5347 to find out more or just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. The link is directly below. And Ye talks a lot about the messages in hip hop 
quote unquote music. I can barely call it music at all, but it's all violence, black on black crime, misogyny, um, right. talking about women as whores, using the word whores to describe women in the music, calling themselves the N word. It's really flipping the script. Yes. Entertainment is a weapon, David. Yes, it's a weapon. And also it's a form of uh, what's called social conditioning in, in psychology. And uh, of interesting note, a lot of those uh, record executives and people in Hollywood and stuff, they all have stock in private prisons. Oh, it's well, so I, corrupt. It's so corrupt. Yes. Like I said, traumatize and monetize. I think he uh, that that was a, a big sum up in more ways than one. That was a very, you know, I I, <laughs> I see why he said that, because he, he's very good at doing that, taking a complicated thing and just putting it into two words. And yeah, boy, yeah. that really sums it up on uh, on so many levels. Yeah, I literally wrote it down when he said it. Monetize and traumatize. Now, right. here's the thing, too. It is really, really, really ironic and uh, telling to watch the mainstream horror mockingbird media. I saw a comment the other day. I know a woman wants me to stop using the word horror as it pertains to anything I discuss, and I get it. But you guys, the mainstream media mockingbirds, the people that get the paychecks, the people like Lester Holt at NBC Nightly, quote unquote, news, they really are whores. They're mercenaries. They're yeah. taking a large paycheck to sell out their nation, just mm -hmm. like Katie Hobbs is selling out the nation, selling out the republic to become the unelected governor of the state of Arizona when the person she reports to is not the people of Arizona. It's George Soros. So right. it's really interesting and telling to watch these people show their true colors when Kyrie Irving now is getting dropped by Nike because of his promotion, a tweet about what they're calling an anti-Semitic movie. So you dare not speak above your breath in condemnation of these people if you speak about condemning them at all, because they will come after you and they will destroy you. By the way, Nike makes their shoes in sweatshops all over the world. So it's ironic that uh, our speech is no longer free, David. Well, it was said in the 17th century, you know who rules you when you find out who you can't criticize. That's right. Well, where do we go from here and what are you working on? I think you're a screenwriter too, aren't you? Uh, yes, that's actually after I wrote uh, the book Hitler's Astrologer, I uh, ended up writing a, a screenplay uh, on it because everybody that said, uh, hey, man, this will make a great movie. And I said, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I had in mind. And actually, one of the guests on your shows, uh, this is how I met him, uh, Dr. Richard Fleming. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, how I met him was actually uh, when I, you know, through the film festival and film industry, because he was an actor. And I said, man, this guy would be perfect to play Carl Ernst Crabb. Well, it wasn't turned out a couple of years later, uh, you know, he invited me to, hey, I'm going to be in Dallas doing a talk. And I go, really, what? And he goes, well, you know, micro <laughs> microbiology thing and the, you know, virus that everything had to do with the uh, algae. And I go, oh my God, I mean, uh, it's really incredible. You know, this guy's a nuclear physicist cardiologist, biologist, chemist, <laughs> but, but I met, I met him through doing Hitler's astrologer because, you know, he was, uh, he was an actor too. So that's really wild. And of course, you know, I, I, I told him, I said, when I found all that out, I said, you need to get on SGT report. I can't. <laughs> that's fascinating. Did I have him on? I think I've interviewed him. Yeah, you did it. You did him a couple of times. He, he did the thing, you know, he, he knew uh, Fauci, you know, personally and, 
uh, he, he just, boy, you know, you need to get him on again as far as anything have to do with virus stuff because he, he tears that apart. And, you know, it just, I don't know if you want to cut this in, but I'd love to tell you how I met Dr. Horowitz because this is biblical, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love Len Horowitz. Oh, he, he uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, when I was researching Hitler's astrologer, uh, you know, I, I saw that, um, you know, uh, Goebbels put in the 432 hertz to 440 hertz when the, uh, when the Nazis, uh, you know, implemented this. Well, I, I'm always researching to find out, well, I read this article and uh, it, it was about, well, wait a minute, this started back in the 1900s when the Navy actually, when radio first started, basically, uh, the Navy, Navy held on to it for 20 years and wouldn't release it because it was being weaponized by the Rockefeller uh, Foundation. And in the 20s, when commercial broadcasting began to fear, the, the Rockefellers attempted to switch uh, A-tone, you know, above middle C from 432 to 440. However, none of the orchestra leaders would agree to it. Um, you know, it was called the Stuttgart uh, pitch in Germany because when the Germanys did it, well, of course, it became an international standard by the International Organization for Standardization in Geneva, Switzerland hmm. in 1953. Well, all this stuff about how the Rockefellers weaponized it and went in the navies in the 1900s and 1920s, that was actually by a, a page that Dr. Leonard Horowitz wrote. Well, a year, a year later, I am listening to an African... Uh, uh, they were interviewing one of the African uh, presidents that didn't want to do the take, have have his nation take the uh, the, the the jab, and um, he's going well. Listen, if you if you uh, if you read the the papers by Dr. Leonard Horowitz, and I go wait a minute. Now, I I read that article by Leonard Horowitz a year before. That day, I went back to that article because I was adding something in about musical tones on a on another thing that I was working out. So, you know, I have all those articles saved. So I, I read the article by Dr. Horowitz. A year later, I go back to it. That evening, I see this news broadcast of this guy going, well, if you, you know, uh, uh, read the papers done by Dr. Leonard Horowitz, I'm going, wait a minute, is that the same guy that I, I uh, you know, that, that I read about that was doing all this frequency and tone and everything on there? So I go back to the article, and I go beyond the article that I was reading and see all the other stuff that this guy's doing. So I, I, I wrote him and I said, hey, li listen, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm doing research in this area, too, because, you know, I work with uh, with sound on, on sound design and all this other kind of stuff. But I said I said the same thing I said uh, to him that I told Richard, you need to get on the SGT report. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's when I introduced you guys. I just thought that, you know, it's just like really wild how, how you run into these people. But I thought that was really neat because if I just read that paper and then a year later heard that, that, that uh, African president mention that, I, 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 I might not have made the connection. But that morning, I was reading that article by Dr. Horowitz. I just, you know, it got, God's hand was certainly in that one. Yeah, that's interesting. I jotted that down. I just wrote down the word God. That's a God thing for sure. Absolutely. And Absolutely. by the way, the uh, African presidents, the independent thinkers at the time who are speaking out against the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine, they're speaking out against this entire pandemic. A lot mm -hmm. of those African presidents wound up dead. 
Yeah, five of them that I know. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, that that's, that goes back to the Dulles brothers. They were the one that uh, sort of started that type of strategy on working uh, with the Rothschilds and the uh, Rockefellers. You know, even uh, Lyndon Johnson uh, said, man, those he complained that they were running, uh, the CIA was running Murder Incorporated in Latin America. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something for Lyndon Johnson to even complain about, just how, how graph they were. But yeah, they were, uh, uh, you know, that they were, they were, they were a sick group. But, but when you look at the fact that two brothers, Rothschild, you know, money controlled from, from really generations, because their grandfather was so for 10 years, they're running the, uh, all, all the uh, United States policy, both above board and under the board. And, uh, it's, uh, and plus, they're, they're responsible for working with a guy named Gellin, who was the uh, Nazi spy chief, who uh, the CIA recruited. Even though Truman didn't want any Nazis uh, working with the American government, they just ignored. They, they brought them in anyway. So the Dulles brothers are bringing in... Uh, you know, Gellin, and which was a set up the whole Operation Paperclip. Uh, by the way, the Navy officer who handled the legal proceedings of Operation Paperclip was a, a future president. He was stationed at the Bureau of Aeronautics office in Philadelphia. It was uh, Lieutenant Commander Richard Nixon. Of course. Boy, it's, it's a small group, isn't it? It's it a is. It's a small group that runs, runs all that stuff. Yeah, and what pops into my head, too, as we consider the bloodlines, there was the 17th letter of the alphabet that always said in these drops, follow the bloodlines. Well, one of the bloodlines is the Bush family, going back to Prescott Bush and before, of course. It all goes back to these international criminal bankers. But uh, his son, Bush Sr., George H.W. Bush Sr., was the head of the CIA before yep. becoming the vice president under Reagan and then ultimately the president, and then his son becomes president? I mean, are you kidding me? The bloodlines, follow the bloodlines. And by the way, Bush Sr., just no idea where he was the day that JFK was shot. No clue, can't remember. Yeah, right, right. I think everybody uh, uh, that was above three years old knew exactly where they were. Well, you'll notice, according to Derek Johnson, that uh, his flag was wrinkled when they put him out. And uh, I'd still love to know what was on all those notes that were handed out to uh, at the funeral. Uh, the, yeah, the me too. Me well, too. You know, there's one one thing that I noticed: the Secret Service agent, the one that handed the Bush family their note after the uh, funeral, he is the one that walks in front of Hillary Clinton when she quote unquote takes her stumble. If you'll watch that video, you know, oh look, she stumbled or something like that. I, I think that's when they arrested person. I mean, if you look at on there, you know, because it was just like a, a cop doing a certain signal, like, okay, here's the takedown. He walks right in front of her. And I think that's the signal. And she knew it right then. And that's why she struggled. And they, <laughs> they were holding her in to get her into the car. I mean, that that's just my, my take on uh, if I was to observe situation, but Hey, time, time will tell time will tell. But it is interesting. It's the same guy, hmm. you know, he's, he's the one that handed them the bush and because uh, everybody else, they got that in their envelope, in their program. You know, when, when Hillary opened hers and it fell out and 
Jimmy Carter noticed it and he looked in his to see if he had one, but Pence's wife got one, you know, everybody knows about all the, all the envelopes and stuff on there. But, but that, what I thought was an interesting connection was that the, the, uh, the, the secret service agent that handed the Bush family their, their envelope. He was the one that walked in front of Hillary when it quote unquote stumbled. So only time will tell, only time will tell. That's interesting. Uh, I watched that footage over and over and over again because of the shocked look on the faces of these people. And um, I'll have to revisit that footage. I don't recall Jeb Bush or the Bushes being given that slip of paper. I thought he found it in his book or in a in a book just like the others did. No. Well, it's hidden because all those soldiers are walking in front. But you see the guy lean over and hand it to uh, Bush. Now, if I was to look at their faces, uh, Laura looks at it in shock. Yep. She shows it to uh, Jeb, who is total panic. He does a total 180 on, well, here I am at the funeral and everything's okay. And he goes, oh, my God. He drops his hand and everything. And you know what? Uh, the um, <laughs> J.W. J- 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 Bush was kind of like looking deal like, uh-huh, uh-huh. They got us. Uh-huh. It's like he already knew. But the other two didn't, and they were shot. So, boy, there, there's – I would love to know the story in that. You know, I'd give – I'd give, <laughs> you know, of course, I'm writing – one of my screenplays is on the whole, you know, intel movement and all these things that are going on and everything. I've got a great uh, uh, storyline on it. it, it it's, uh, it's about a Secret Service agent who is uh, in charge of, uh, you know, Secretary of State, and it's kind of modeled on uh, uh, Hillary – and of course, he is a dedicated follower of the Constitution. And during the course of the whole uh, series, in the first year, he starts putting it together that, wow, you know, she's not who she says she is. And it turns out she's a member of the cabal. And then in the second season, we see the battle amongst the cabal. So at the end of the second season, she's now the leader of the cabal. And uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, I'd love to interview Juan Sabin, uh, uh, <laughs> to just just to help guide me on it. So I get all this stuff accurate. Cause I, I'd love just like what I did with Hitler's astrologer, you know, it's 30 years of research uh, in order to make that book ac- accurate. Uh, but to be able to do an accurate uh, film of uh, what's going on in the uh, Intel movement. See, there's that ball headed guy mm-hmm. uh, right, right, right behind it. And there's uh, Laura. And Laura looks like she's uh, looking at the whatever was handed out at the funeral. She shows Jeb. There's a look of horror on his face. She looks absolutely pissed off. They both look at Bush Jr., who looks like maybe he sold them all out. He bows his head in shame. Yeah. Uh, what on earth do you think could have been written down on that? If you're a writer, can well, you just guess what could it possibly be? Well, look, in every case now. First of all, that's different because they got a folder. They didn't get a little em- envelope that looked like an invitation, you know, that was in an envelope. This looks like a file that's, uh, uh, see what I mean? It looks like a whole notebook and thing on that. Mm-hmm. Now, it has to be something, either a word or a picture or just something that that they know that, oh, my God, they got this book. You know what I mean? That it has to be something that's recognized because, look, all he does is looks at it. He, he, he couldn't, and, and glancing down on that, he couldn't have read more than five words on a sentence. But yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's, now, if you get that, uh, you know, you can get it later. But look at when Hillary makes her fall in from it. It's the same guy. 
some boy. He was uh, he was working that day. I'll tell you, he was working that day. The other thing that is extremely, extremely interesting that I'll never forget about Bush Sr.'s funeral is the fact that our then president, Donald J. Trump, arrived late and left early. He and his wife left this funeral before that casket was even fully out of the church. So I think it's really, really important because that man, I believe, was taking on the deep state. That man was taking on the Canaanites. That man was taking on those who worship Moloch. And while he was our president, things were looking pretty good. So, of course, they had to steal the election. And they continue to steal these elections. I'm a broken record, but I'm pissed off and I'm sick and tired of it. Because how in the world are we going to take our nation back? How in the world do we save the republic from these Moloch worshipers when they get away with stealing elections? And the mainstream media says, most fair, most safe, most secure elections in the history of our country. Well, like, I'll tell you what. You know, literally whole, gaslighting us. Yeah, true. But, you know, the whole thing happening about January 6th and the, them trying to milk that and, and make it their narrative for what? all this time how fitting that january 6 is when the supreme court is going to hear that case because if they do that then the the uh, all those congressmen and senators that didn't uphold the constitution including pence including biden and harris they're all out they're all out it's a it's an amazing uh, amazing uh, thing and they did that very cleverly they didn't say, oh, we're going to say that the elections, you know, been stolen. And we're not saying this. We're not saying that. All that we're saying is that there was a precedent set in 1877 that several members of Congress wanted it to go back to be verified and investigated. Well, there was a hundred congressmen that wanted that to happen. And the rest of them didn't do it. They said, oh, you know, look, January 6th, we've got to hurry up and do it. Let's just go ahead and do it. They are, by the Constitution, supposed to follow that process. They did not follow that process, so they didn't uphold their oath of office to the Constitution of the United States. That's 100% right, and uh, people tend to forget what happened on January 6th. That night, the evidence of the stolen, rigged election was to be shared in the House, and it right. never happened because the Jan 6th false flag. And I remember like it was yesterday, that snake, that rhino, Lindsey Graham saying, hey, look, I tried to be helpful, but enough's enough. So we're right. just going to certify this thing. And, uh, you know, I tried to be helpful. Helpful well, you know, to who? The deep state? Certainly not to the people of the republic. Right. But look at everything that's happened up to that point and really up to now. Look at all the rhinos and traitors that have been revealed. I think that that was important. You've realized that you know, until uh, one of the votes, you know, everybody still thought uh, Romney was uh, was a conservative. But then when he came in there and, you know, but did his votes, I mean, slowly by slowly, I think the deep state is losing ammunition where they're having to call out their second team, which are the people that are embedded in our government in, in uh, intelligence agencies and everywhere else in business. And, uh, you know, hey, we're in the time of re revelation. All of this is being revealed. Right. Right. And uh, the case you're referring to here is this one. And the action is against 388 federal officers in their official capacities, including President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, and former VP Mike Pence. 
all the respondents have taken the required oath to support and defend the Constitution of the USA against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and as such, they are liable for consequences when they violate that oath of office. So, on January 6th, 2021, the 117th Congress held a proceeding and debate in Washington, D.C. This proceeding was for the purpose of counting votes under the 2020 presidential election for the president and vice president of the USA under Amendment 12. During the proceeding, 100 members of the U.S. Congress claimed factual evidence that the said election was rigged. The refusal of the respondents to investigate this congressional claim, the enemy, is an act of treason and fraud by respondents. So this case, and I believe it's, what is it, Brunson? Ver, yeah, Brunson versus yeah, Adams. Adam. Uh -huh. It's filed. And, oh, yeah. And do you think the Supreme Court will hear it? My understanding is the Supreme Court will meet in private to debate whether or not to take this case. And if they well, don't, it's game over for the Republic. If they do take it and they rule honorably, well, then it could be a rebirth for the Republic. What do you think is going to happen? Well, for, first of all, let's look at a little bit of background information on that. You know, the uh, the Brunsons are three brothers, and um, they they did this on their own, and they went ahead and filed it. They did two different routes in case one of them got flown down. They could find out why it did and correct it. Now, one of them, of course, got blown down. The other one was stuck in the Tenth uh, uh, Circuit Court. Now, they they somehow this is God again found out. You could bypass because, you know, it has to be decided. Either it, it just decided in the 10th uh, Circuit Court or it is um, uh, thrown out. If it's thrown out, then they can take it to the Supreme Court because they're going to appeal it. Well, what happened was it was just sitting there for months and months. And then through the grace of God, they, <laughs> they found out about uh, Rule 11 or Rule 10. Or, and basically, I've heard it called both. But basically, that's that's declaring that this this is a, a a national emergency. So what happened is, they filed it as a national emergency. It went to the uh, it went to Supreme Court. A clerk called them. This never happens. One of the clerks at the Supreme Court con contacted them and said, "Hey, we're looking this over. Um, you know, uh, you need to do this, this, and this. When can you have it?" And they said, "Well, you know, it'll take us a couple of months to do that." And they said, can you get it to us sooner? And they go, well, yeah, maybe a couple of weeks. Can you get it to us sooner? So they worked hard on it. And they, of course, they got it filed it in the end of October. Um, I, I think that's an indication of something going on. Now, it makes sense because the Supreme Court can only rule on these cases in this way. They are being attacked by the Biden administration. Mm -hmm. The White House wants to uh, pack the court. And the uh, Congress wants to, uh, you know, change their uh, change, change the laws as far as, you know, how, how long they can stay in office and all the other things and stuff on it. They don't have any ammunition. This gives them the ammunition to fight back. And uh, you figure because they're they're all upset that they get, you know, ruled Roe versus Wade. And I think because Roe versus which I don't know why everybody's upset. All they're doing is sending it back to the states. You want democracy. What better way is that? You know, no matter what your viewpoint on it is, uh, but but it it kills me the way people get all upset on the on a particular ruling when it's like, hey, you guys are screaming for democracy. That's what it is. Go back to the states and let the people decide on what they want to do. It's not a court ruling. I really think that they will, 
I, I, I really think because in a way they have to. I think this is the last straw before the, the last thing, because if you take it to the highest court in the land, and like I said, they were very clever. This is a constitutional thing. It has nothing to do with, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, election fraud or anything. It's the question is, did you do your duty to secure and defend the Constitution of the United States? That is, that process had to be, you know, taken in because there's a precedence for it. They didn't do it. So basically, they can, uh, if they roll that on there, you know, that that's it. Those, those guys have to, uh, you know, pack their, uh, go up in their little uh, congressional office and pack their, their boxes and go out. And Nancy Pelosi won't even be able to use a, uh, a military airplane to fly home. She'll have to hitch a ride with one of her donors. Yeah. I'll tell you what, David, these are the times that try men's souls, right? Because we know our country is being raped by these people. These George Soros, Rockefeller, Rothschild, Moloch lovers are raping and destroying this country. And by the way, there is literally an invasion taking place. We're being invaded. The southern border is wide open. Right, so right. Well, you, you do you do know that uh, several more counties are, are uh, coming together in Texas to uh, take it upon themselves to do it. That is, if the federal government isn't going to do it, we're going to do it ourselves. Yeah, it's I know. And that's great. But take a look at Arizona. Yes, We're Soros-backed yes. Katie Hobbs. The first thing that she's going to do when she gets sworn in, she's going to start to open up that border. She's going to remove those shipping containers. I mean, that's how desperate the situation is. Trying to block well, the border I, with shipping containers because the federal government's so criminal, they won't do anything about it. And, and in fact, not only will they not do anything about it, they're dismantling the wall that Trump tried to put up. I mean, if we don't have borders, we don't have a country. And guess what? We don't have a country because we don't have a government that's buying for the people. So this really is a national emergency. Uh, it is. And, and uh, all I can say, Sean, is that they want you upset. That's that's what go back to what you said. They want you traumatized so that they can monetize. And then if, if you, uh, you know, you just have to have faith because, hey, God wins in the end. Look, and like I said, look at all the disturbing things that we've gone through the past. Well, really, since 2016. But we're stronger for it. God put us here at this particular point because we're the ones that can do it. We're the ones that are uh, waking now in order to see all this stuff. And, and look at this lawsuit that we just talked about. I came out of nowhere. I came out of nowhere. It's just, you know, in, in the 17th book of the Bible is Esther. And look at that story. A complete turnaround at the last minute. I think that's what's happening here. So all we can do around what we can do, do what you're doing, because you're one of the best, Sean. Get people on, get the truth out to people. But all we can do with this thing, when it's out of our control, just pray. Yeah, pray, pray, pray. All right. Well, thank you so much, my friend. I'm going to get Dr. Richard Fleming booked again, and I want to get Dr. Len Horowitz booked again. Both wonderful guests, both wonderful guys. And before we part ways, I wanted to ask you about this. Midland Film Institute, Screenplay Writing for Veterans as Therapy. And there you are, David. Tell us about this. Well, um, basically, I, you know, my first degree was in psychology. And when I started screenwriting, I, I realized that you really have to reach deep within yourself when you're writing a screenplay that you're passionate about. And uh, I just transposed that over to uh, the therapeutic values. Because, you know, if you're a veteran and you have a psychologist, it may take you two or three years to even trust the guy or open up to him 
or for that guy to even be able to uh, focus in on what the real issue is, you know, depending on the skill of the psychologist. Well, when you write, it comes out. If you write a particular scene and you're writing about this guy that did that and the other, <laughs> well, I guarantee you nine times out of 10, he's writing from his own personal experience. And there's a way to develop that because first it allows them to personally describe it in a, uh, in a conversational form. Because when you write a screenplay, there's only two things you, you write, basically. What do you see and what do you hear? I mean, that's what all the format for a screenplay is. Well, when you get out of the conversation with another person and write it in that context, you're dealing with two realms of a person's consciousness on, on experience. That is, what did you see and what did you hear? What words were spoken? What, what sounds did you hear? And then also, what was it that you see when you break that up? Because when people have conversation, they try to put visual and audio together. But when you break that up, you, you get an assessment on what's really going on. And I found that to be, uh, you know, very successful. And uh, I would if I could plug somebody's, <laughs> somebody's book who I help. Uh, and by, by the way, I think he would be a great guest uh, for you to have on. His name was uh, Bart Walmack. Uh, okay. I, I think I, I have a, a picture and stuff and everything on for you. You can cut this out here. But uh, he wrote a book and he came to one of my lectures. Uh, he's on the next next slide. Uh, Bart Walmack came to one of my lectures in, uh, when, I, when I was speaking at one in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, he was there when the uh, camp in Pennsylvania and Kuwait occurred. You know, when this uh, Hassam Akbar walked in all the green area right before they were going to invade Iraq and threw all these grenades mm -hmm. in the 101st Airborne's tent, mm -hmm. the first grenade went into Bart's tent. Luckily, it wasn't a grenade grenade that exploded and put shrapnel. It was, it was uh, one of those, uh, you know, flare-type grenades or something. But he managed to survive that. He went through it, wrote a book about it. Absolutely fabulous. So next time that... I guess when March comes around, the anniversary of it, a really great, great guy, a fabulous book. And of course, I helped him write his a screenplay, and hopefully it was done in a way that, that helped him uh, therapeutically. But that's just an example of uh, uh, some of the success and stuff that I had. And of course, you know, I would uh, love to do it for uh, anybody else that, that does it. I just sort of do it wherever I'm invited to get a lot lecture. And then anybody else that wants some additional help, I'm, I'm, happy, to, I'm happy to help them. Well, that's pretty cool. All righty. Well, how do people reach out to you specifically? Uh, just my website, which is my my full name, David Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T, davidbryantperkins.com. Yeah, there it is. I do entertainment. I also have education. Uh, you know, both my books are there. The one I did in Poland and, of course, that. And then all my screenplays up at the top. I got all the screenplays that I did and uh, uh, music, so. Um, but my project working on now is what's called RamesCountyRadio.com. And I, it's just going to be a, a radio station that plays all kind of music. That is uh, everything from 12th century minstrel music to rave, <laughs> rave music. But I also want to have uh, various shows on, interview shows. I actually had Derek Johnson on, who, by the way, is coming to my uh, uh, birthday party here in Emory. Cool. Uh, we're going we're to interview him on uh, 
because on Saturday we do my interview show and I, I interview local pe people here in uh, uh, Emory in Rains County, Texas. And I also interviewed I had on Diamond and Silk and a couple other people. And uh, I'd love to get you on, Sean. You're interviewing all the other people. And I think one of the best interviews that I really enjoyed was you and uh, Dave over there at X-22 Report. You oh. guys did that show a long time ago. And it was like, wow, these are two guys I listen to. But how different. Oh, this shadow service, that's 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 my cue. That's my uh that's that's my screen. It's gonna be a TV series, but it's a uh uh you know, it, it's gonna be about the whole deep state, what's going on, who uh intel boards and all that stuff. Cool. And uh, I'm really excited about that one. Is that picked up? Is that actually being produced? Uh no, I'm I'm uh basically, you know, I, I did all that going to film festivals and all that other kind of stuff a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, when, when COVID hit, I was, I was here actually in East Texas. And I just said, well, you know what, rather than running around trying to run around LA and trying to sell the script, I'm just going to sit here in the woods of East Texas and write. So as you can see on that page, I've written all kind of, kind of uh, screenplays. So I just spent most of my time writing and you know what? Yes. Uh, I, oh, I got <laughs> Dr. Horowitz is involved in this because when I heard his story, um, when I ran into Dr. Horowitz, there was something missing in this story. And what, what it was is the reveal of it was kind of like a uh, planet of the apes at the end of the series, you find out, Oh my God, there's the statue of Liberty. And at the end you go, Oh my God, she's a member of the cabal. Well, when I heard Dr. Horowitz's story and, and uh, I'm helping him write, one of his things. But on this particular story, Dr. Horowitz's story is like 24. That TV show with Keith Sutherland. Mm -hmm. So he really added dimension to this particular series in that not only do we have this dynamic thing going on, but we got those every every second is an emergency type of a situation. So uh, we, we have a lot of fun talking with one another and everything. So but anyway, yes, you know, this is just something that I do. But uh, you know, it's, it's, it's in God's hands. If it's, if it gets picked up, I feel then, Hey, then my, my daughter gets the, you know, reap the benefits and reward for that. But, uh, um, you know, my, my work is, uh, trying to do what you're doing right now. Focus, just get the truth out, which is, uh, I hope to do it with Rains County radio. And, uh, I sent you a picture of that, which you can uh, check out on. And, uh, like I said, on December 17th, uh, go to that website because we'll be streaming, We'll be streaming uh, live. And like I said, we're going to, uh, Saturday is normally our interview show, and I'm going to interview uh, Derek Johnson, and we'll try to get him to play a couple of his songs. And then uh, we're just going to, you know, do the regular regular Saturday night. We're going to have a party because it's my birthday party, too. So, All right. Well, happy birthday in advance, my friend. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. What a small world. Len Horowitz, you, Richard Fleming. Patriots all trying to get the word out, right? Patriots trying to take our republic back. And by the way, that's what it is, friends. You, you listen yeah. to these goons on TV. You listen to these Democrats and all their sycophants in the mainstream horror media on MSNBC. They always refer to this thing as a democracy. We must save our democracy. Our democracy was under threat on January 6th. What a bunch of gaslighting nonsense. It is a democratic republic. A republic, right. my friends, if yeah. you can keep yeah. it. Well, you know, even uh, even Aristotle knew uh, a democracy doesn't work. I mean, yeah. even the ancient Greeks realized that, hey, eventually 
it just doesn't work. So, well, and by the way, that's why uh, they're trying to stack the court. They want to turn it into a democracy. They want it to be two wolves and a sheep voting over what's for dinner as it relates to our precious Republic and our bill of rights and our constitution. Guys, our guest has been author, David Perkins, the website, David Bryant Perkins.com. David, thanks for being on today. Well, hey, thanks for having me, Sean, and uh, good luck, and I uh, look forward to seeing you again in the future. All right, good luck to you, too. Thank you so much for being here, and friends, thank you so much for being here. A special thanks to our subscribe stars. If you want to support us, friends, we could really use your support. I'll try to remember to leave a link below to SGT Report on Subscribestar, and, of course, sgtreport.tv, where you can watch this material, this content I produce, ad-free. I'll leave that link below, and friends, for real news every single day, you can visit us for free at sgtreport.com the antidote to corporate propaganda. God bless you and yours. Bye-bye. Every time they perform pedophilia, every time they assassinate somebody, every time they commit some kind of horrendous act, every time they explode these horrible weapons in war, they are shattering this third dimension and they are allowing darkness, pulling it, reeling it in from that archonic underworld. They are actually splitting the third dimension and pulling this dark energy in. That's why they do so much of this stuff, because it feeds them.